This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. That is not going to work. What are your names again? My name. It doesn't matter what your names are. You walk around here interrupting the rock you like you haven't seen the sun in 20 years. You like you just stepped out of Oliver Twist. Please, sir, may I have some more advice, sir? You want some advice? Here's the rock's advice. Shut your mouth. What you want. What you want. How about what the rock wants? Allow me to reintroduce myself. I am the jabroni beating, pie eating, trail blazing, eyebrow raising, talking is done, you're out of your class, no sleep till Brooklyn, the rock whoops your ass. going on brothers and sisters coming to you live from theater d row j seat seven i am the godfather nate milton and this is the rocky Maivia picture show the world's favorite pop culture and pro wrestling program dedicated to the genius of sports entertainer turned thespian dwayne the rock johnson now playing this week 2006's gridiron gang Got a pass, Junior? I had a phone call. From who? It's my boy's birthday, man. He's two years old. He's two years old and I missed it. Mustang coach. Why should I trust you? Because I ain't gonna mess up. That's what you told the judge the last time you got out. No more. I'm tired of being a loser, man. Making a mess of everything. Coach, I want to show people I can play. I can do something with my life. I just want to make my son proud. All right, and since every Cisco needs an Ebert, every Ebert needs a Roper, and every Blaine needs a Twan, I got two special guests in the theater this week uh, who should be very familiar to most of the postmarks out there. Uh, my first guest is a senior editor for Yahoo Sports and one half of the phenomenal Kings of Sport podcast, if I do say so myself. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Marcus Vandenberg. Brother Marcus, how you doing? Nate, this is my post-wrestling debut. 
I, I believe it is, yes. I'm, I'm popping my cherry, so how you doing? Yes, you, you were on the uh, previous incarnation, but this is your first time uh, yes. putting, on, putting on the red and black of, of the post, the post-wrestling organization, the PWO. Honored to be here. <laughs> and my second guest in the theater is the host of the Always Professional Booking the Territory podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for friend of the program, Mike Mills. Brother Mills, how you doing this week, man? I'm doing great, but to call us anything but professional might not be a correct term to throw at the show that I host uh, every single week. But I'm doing good. I actually, Marcus made me think, I believe this is my debut on post-wrestling as well. Yes. I was on the previous incarnation a couple of times, or maybe three times. I can't remember, but yeah, I'm glad to be here and uh, talk about some Gridiron Gang. Oh, yes. So uh, before we get started, folks, I I think everybody just needs to listen up. And and this goes for you, Marcus, and you, Mike, as well. The Rocky Mile Via Picture Show is a podcast. And on this show, we do it my way, not your way. Because your (laughs) way is what got you here. So whatever sets you claim, whatever hood you're from, this is your hood now. So I I hope we we got that out of the way and we we can proceed as a team. Let me ask, before we even get this party off and popping and jumping and whatnot, what are the language restrictions? Because, you know, I'm a foul-mouthed son of a... <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go too far. Okay, let, let, I... let's, uh, let we, look, we're not quite PG, but we're not ECW either. So somewhere in, the, in that happy medium, Mike. PG-13, I got it. That'll we work can... for me. <laughs> we can be uh, Impact Wrestling from about 05, 06. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, that's what I got you. All right. Well, well we good. <laughs> uh, the, before we get to this movie, fellas, I uh, real quick, uh, since this is your, both of you guys' first time on the Rocky Mountain Via Picture Show, I just wanted to get your quick opinions on The Rock as an actor and, and when you first kind of saw that transition from this dude being one of the biggest stars in the history of pro wrestling to being this guy that was just dominating the box office. So, uh, Mike, you can go first. Like, when did you first see that change, and and did you think that Dwayne had what it took to be the star that he is today? So here's what probably makes um, me a little different than maybe some of the folks you've had on this particular podcast, because I am not this big movie aficionado. Like, I don't... Like, I'm not the one who goes out and sees the movie and the weekend it comes out or the night it comes out and whatnot. And I've really kind of not really ever been that way. That being said, man, Nate, it has to be, you know, I'm old. So, God, man, Scorpion King type, like, would be like the first probably movie I saw him in. And I feel like that's one of his first movies, not that I'm thinking about that. So, yeah, that was his uh, first starring role. Okay, so yeah, like I saw that first one in the movie theater and I thought I thought he was all right, man. I mean, you know, you'll you never you'll never confuse him with um with a great Hollywood actor, but he's fine, man. You know, I mean he 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 meets all he checks the boxes. I think I think he's good. There are some moments in this particular film that I find he's a little over the top, but mm. I don't I don't know, man. I, I think I think The Rock is is good in in movie. I mean, he was good in that particular movie. Let me say that. I thought I thought he did good in Scorpion King. So if I were to rank him, I would say he's probably slightly above average. But I think he makes up for certain things when it comes to his acting with just who he is, because he's yeah. just a star. I mean, you know, that's 
I don't know if you can put a price on that, if that makes sense. It's it's who he is that I think makes him more than his actual, you know, quote unquote acting ability. Yeah, because I think even when the movie is bad, and we've we've seen a couple of his bad movies so far on this podcast, Mike, particularly I'm thinking of something like Doom. Like, even if a movie is bad, The Rock can kind of carry it to at least make it watchable just because you like you like spending, you know, an hour and a half, two hours with the dude. Yeah. Oh, uh, what about you, Marcus? When you know what? What's your take on The Rock as an actor, and and you know making that transition from the ring to the big screen? For me, I was a, a Walking Tall fan, and probably one of the few that actually enjoyed that movie. Is you, you and uh, Chris from LA. Yes. Uh, so that that was the movie that I think The Rock. I just showed me some some range. the The problem I have with The Rock as an actor, and and I think definitely in this film was whenever I see him, I just see the rock mm. and it, it's hard for me to separate Dwayne Johnson and the rock. When I see him on screen, uh, you know, I haven't seen a lot of his films. I haven't not seen Scorpion King and the mummy returns. And uh, I haven't seen be cool actually. So I think to Mike's point, I am not the best uh, movie expert quote unquote, but some of his newer stuff that I have seen, it, it feels like I'm getting much more, Dwayne Johnson and less of the rock. And maybe that's because he's been less involved with wrestling. Yeah. I think if you look at his earlier movies, maybe it's something like be cool or something like Southland tales, even though a lot of people, you know, didn't like that movie. Those were to me kind of his biggest reaches as, as far as an actor and challenging himself. But he does like the first 15 movies, of this guy's career are various shades of me playing the rock. And Particularly in this movie, The Gridiron Gang, which we're, which we're going to talk about, it pulls a lot from, you know, his college football experience. And, you know, we, yep. we, we get a lot of that in this. So uh, that's where Marcus and Mike were in terms of their relationship with The Rock. But we need to see where we were in the culture in 2006 when Gridiron Gang first came out on the big screen. So let's do the time warp, folks. All right, and the time warp, of course, for those listeners of the Rocky Mountain View Picture Show, long-time listeners know this is where we take a look back at the culture and, and check out what was burning up the music charts at the time of these this movie's release. And so, fellas, this movie came out on September 15th of 2006. Do you guys know what was the number one song on the Billboard 100 charts? Uh, Marcus, I'll let you go first. September 2006, I was in college. I'm going to guess uh, Justin Timberlake. Oh, that, that's, that's what was hot at Hofstra back then? <laughs> why why, why you had to put my school on blast like that? I'm going to guess Justin Timberlake. And, uh, Timberlake. You, 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 you and Chris Weidman bumping some JT? Exactly. <laughs> All right, so Marcus is going with JT. Any song in particular? Uh, this would be Setsy back because that was 06. Okay. Uh, what about you, Mike? Timberland in 06. Oh, yeah. Timberland was big in 06. I'm going to go with what Marcus said because I'm terrible at these type of things, and I don't have a clue. Like, Timberlake sounds like it would be up there, but, uh, bro, you <laughs> – man, I, I ain't got a clue, man. Like, for real. 2006 – Nate, that's 13 years ago, man. I can't remember what I had for lunch two days ago. I mean, I, 
Yeah, that sounds about right. Marcus actually, that I think Marcus took a nice little guess right there. So, so spill it for us, Nate. We're, we're, All right, we're... September fifteenth, two thousand six, fellas. The number one song in the country was in the middle of a seven week run at the top from the album Future Sex Love Sounds. It was Justin Timberlake's "Sexy Back." Yes. Yeah. That See, was your jam. That was good album, Marcus, I bet you you could put that together because, like you said, you knew where you were at that moment in time. I I wasn't in school, like I'm. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm just in the workforce. So I'm like, I, I can't, I can't like put that position, that song, or anything. I was gonna say, would that, would that, would that been around the time you were you in the ring, Mike? Uh, that that was that was the end of it, right around that time. Oh, oh, okay, six, oh seven. So yeah, like. But I can't, I, so man. Mike Mills never came to the ring to the sounds of Justin Timberlake. Oh, hell no. <laughs> you missed out. No. Hey, could could have could have been the kickstart to, the, to, the, to the, a new chapter in your career, brother. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Definitely. Oh, but that's man. It. Marcus nailed it, man. Yeah, that was, that was a good pull, Marcus. I, to, I, like, I, was, point, I, I would stump you. No, but I think to your point, I, you know, I sort of remember songs by fall spring of the year especially being in college so that that definitely was helpful like when i go back to high school and man i'm old so when i think of like my high school years i can tell you what songs were what like 91 92 93 94 like is nothing because i can i can envision where i was at the moments that i heard those songs or was playing them uh, you know on cd yeah cd back then no i'm sorry we even had still hey, nah, the backdrop come on 91 let's let's yeah let's set <laughs> so yeah you know what i'm saying i mean like i can i can visualize it in my mind where i was what i was doing you know the car i was driving when i was bumping it so yeah that it, you you can you can visualize those things it, yeah it's just how it is man that's uh, that's part of life all right so that's where the culture was in 2006 now let's get to this movie the gridiron gang of course starring dwayne the rock johnson kevin dunn leon rippey and exhibit for some reason uh, it was directed by Phil Joanu and produced by Neil Moritz and Leah, Lee Stanley, written by Jeff McGuire. Okay, fellas, this movie had a budget of $30 million. Does anybody care to guess what the box office was for this film? God, I already know the number, so I can't. I'm oh, Marcus knows the number. Okay, so Mike, yeah. the, the budget was 30 How much do you think this movie made or lost? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised just because it's The Rock if they made, if they spent 30, maybe 35. Like, I feel like they would have made something just because it's The Rock. I mean, his yeah. name in general is going to pull in some 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 viewers and some some people that want to see it. So I, I'm just taking a guess. Say 35 million. Okay. Not a bad guess at all. This movie made $41 million. So a, I guess a modest success after you factor it. 
in advertising and all that? The millions! Yeah, it, like I mean, it didn't lose money, but it didn't really didn't make lose a lot money, of money. But it didn't make a lot of money. And September is normally a, a slow time for movies, anyways. Yeah, that that's that's that return to, to to school time frame, man. You, I mean, honestly, that if you're not doing a summertime or right when school was ending, that's that that feels like a rough time frame, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, because you right after Labor Day, right? Didn't you say that, Nate? September fifteenth. Yeah, or September something like 15th. That? Yeah, not even Labor Day. You're, you're getting like, that's, yeah, that's that's, that's rough. Rough time, especially oh, for a movie man. like this. Like, I think if I remember back to '06, thinking about how this movie was kind of advertised, it felt very remember the Titans ish. But then when you actually go watch the movie, Mike, like, and and we can get into the kind of story of this movie now. It is there's notes of remember the Titans, but it's kind of like I was texting with Marcus last night, and I was like, this feels like. Uh, a great value version of Remember the Titans mixed with a great value version of Boys in the Hood featuring Exhibit for some damn reason. Um, Yeah, I think that's that's a nice way to put it because you're right. Remember the Titans is a completely different film on, I mean, the, the football relation is there, you know, between the two movies. But yeah, it's like a Boys in the Hood, Minister Society. Yep. Like, like, like mixture and thrown in a blender, and you get gr- gridiron gang with football. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I would have to agree with that. So uh, Dwayne Johnson plays Sean Porter, and this story is uh, based off a true story. Uh, he plays Sean Porter, who works at the Kilpatrick Detention Center in Los Angeles, and uh, he basically has a lot of troubled use, a lot of gang violence. The two gangs in this movie are the. 88s and the 95s and uh basically you got a lot of kids from broken homes uh one of the kids is in the detention facility because he did he kill his stepfather or just shoot him i believe i don't think they clarified if he if he died or not okay we well, i mean he definitely shot him he might have killed him too but he killed his I stepfather think, I, think for, he killed, I think he killed him nate because the mama is standing over him and, and she's like He's gone, yeah. or he's yeah. You're right. I yep, think he was dead. I, I'm pretty sure he was dead, but okay. yeah, yeah. He killed his stepfather for 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 putting his hands on his mother, uh, and so basically you got Sean Porter here at this correctional facility, who figures the the uh, rate of kids leaving the the uh, you know center and then getting back in trouble and coming back. What's that? The recid- recidivism. Re- you're the editor, Marcus. Say the word for it. <laughs> recidivism. <laughs> Uh, you mean the retention rate? Is that is that it? Somebody's gonna sure. put put this on Let's the fact checking poll. Uh, but basically, the the rate of kids coming back and getting in trouble again after they've been released from the facility is very high. I think he said it's like seventy five percent. So the Rock, or Sean Porter, should I say, decides I know how to get, teach these kids some discipline. Let's start a football team. And so, just kind of early thoughts on this movie, Mike. I, I know I don't think you'd seen this before. Well, what were your kind of Feelings about the opening part of this movie. So I had, this is crazy. I didn't realize this movie was that old. Like the older you get, the more time just flies past mm-hmm. you. And I had seen this and really did not realize it. So when I was rewatching it, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this now, especially as I got further into it. I was like, oh, okay. Um, 
Man, I, I mean, I like that. I, I don't want to say concept because this is based on a true story, but I like the fact that, you know, this is something that they tried to do in this detention center because, I, I mean, we all know there's so many lost kids in the inner cities and a lot of them just, they're not bad kids. It's just, they never really had the proper guidance. Yep. They never had the structure they needed to succeed. And let's be real. If you don't have those things and you don't have people pulling for you and helping you out along the way, it's easy to fall into it. So the whole premise of it with the whole football team and we're going to, you know, we're going to work together and we're going to try to do something meaningful. I mean, I like it. You know, think about all the kids just nowadays. I mean, they look at, I hate to say it, but as a way to escape, you know, where they're from in poverty, they look through sports because, which is kind of bad in a way because you're kind of setting yourself up for failure because only so many people can make it to the pros. But mm -hmm. that's not really the premise of this as much as it's, we're going to get a team. We're going to give you a purpose other than, you do your time in here and then you go back to your neighborhoods and then you get back to your gangs because, you know, sadly, like that percentage is true. Most people go in, come out and nothing improves because they still, you know, playing on the same monopoly board as before they went in. So nothing changes. So the premise of it was good. I like the fact that they, you know, did this with these kids, started a team and it, it did teach them discipline. It did teach them to work with each other and to in that there were. You know, in the instance we'll see with this is you had two rival gang members who end up becoming really good friends because they found a commonality and found a common interest with football and fighting together on the playing field. So I like that. I like that aspect of it. And again, I don't want to say, you know, it, it's a good story because it's based on a true story. But uh, I, I like that part of it, man. Mm. So what did you think, Marcus? This is a story that takes place or is based on something that took place in your neck of the woods. Uh, how did you feel about kind of the setup of this movie? And did it feel true as somebody from that part of the country as, as a story? Nate, my notes are much more ignorant than Mike's uh, <laughs> deep philosophy there. So first off, let's talk about the recreation of, of Ricky getting shot early on in the movie. <laughs> oh. Um, I, I would like to pose a question to the group here. That scene when you had the, the drive-by, correct? Yep. Would you rather be shot and take your chances or be run over by a car and take your chances? Mm. What gives you better odds? That's, that's a good question. I mean, R.I.P. to Sweet P. Whitaker, who passed uh, earlier this month from, from getting hit by a car accident, one of the greatest uh, professional boxers of all time. Uh, I think... And, and Mike, you might have a different opinion, but I think depending on where I get shot, I can recover from a gunshot wound probably better than I would getting hit full on from a car. Yeah, that was pretty brutal, man. That kid getting hit with that car, man, up against that fence. God yeah. darn. I, like, huh. Because you're talking you know, about like a, a, a bullet, like if it's not, in a, you know, hitting a, a vital organ, yeah, it's going to hurt. Yeah, it's going to do some damage, but it's. You, you can live from, from that. But if you get smashed with a car, that's affecting everything in that impact zone. Yeah, but, I mean, still. <laughs> it depends shot, on the speed just, of the car. Yeah, but <laughs> getting shot, too, man, is just, that's like Russian roulette. I mean, because there ain't no telling once that bullet enters you. If, it, yeah. if it's just an exit, you know, if it's entrance and exit, if yeah. Clean, but yeah. A lot of times it don't happen that way. That bullet hits bones and starts working around in your body and I don't know man that's a tough one but huh, I, I just I don't ever want to make that choice let me say that I, I hope neither one of them things happen to me right 
All right, that's the, that's probably the, the correct answer. Uh, to, to answer your question, Nate, uh, uh, yeah, that is very much parts of LA in 2019, let alone 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that sense, it it was accurate. Um, full full disclosure for the listeners: Marcus was a '95 in a, in a prior life. Yeah, I mean, at this listen, just just call him up the artist, call him Bloods and Crips. If you're, Exa- if you're yeah, going, yeah. If you're going to deploy to Los Angeles in that time period, then let's just go all the way in and not create, you know, fake games. Because I gotta say, that was one of the few things that kind of threw me off, Mike. That we had to invent names for these gangs. Well, in okay, so then that that creates a whole nother question that I have for both of you that I just don't know the answer to. And, and I really didn't have time to do an, the research on it was like, I, I mean, I know this is based on a true story, but uh, I mean, everything I read is loosely based on a true mm-hmm. story. So then I start wondering in the same vein at like Marcus and you are saying, let's just call them bloods and crips. So just how much of this is based on a true story? Because I mean, by accident, Boys in the Hood and Menace to Society are based on true stories by pure coincidence, just because that's what would happening back then. And it's still happening to this day. So it, that brought me into a whole nother series of questions. Like, I felt like, you know, you made the comparison earlier of Remember the Titans in this movie and like just, you know, what it was and was it really similar, which, you know, it's similar from football, from a football scheme of things, but that's it. Um, Remember the Titans feels like it was much more based on true life events than maybe mm-hmm. this was, but I, I just don't know because I don't know the I don't know enough about the true story of the Kilpatrick Mustang. So I don't know. Uh, it, it just that that brings a whole nother question to to mind as you you guys are talking about the gangs just go to full length and say oh well Bloods and Crips like just how much is exactly true as we're talking about the Rock and what he portrayed here you know uh, in his acting job. I'll let, I'll let you take that one, that first, Marcus, in, in terms of yeah. the veracity of, of this story. Like, did it did it feel I, – I know you said parts of it felt true to life, but uh, did, it, did it feel a little too much Hollywood? So the, the first 10 minutes of the film is just all over the place. Um, and I get they're trying to set up the bigger picture, with, which is the football team. But to, to go from, as you mentioned, the drive-by to the – Baby Boy 2 scene remake of the dude pulling a gun on the stepfather or whatever you want to call him and killing him. Like, yeah. it, it was like all these moments of really other black films sort of crammed into this first 15 minutes before you actually got into the real heart of the movie, which was uh, the Rock's character sort of starting this this football team. So in, in that sense, I thought the movie was a was a bit of a rough start. And to your point, Mike, I wonder if, you know, you saw at the very end of the film, you saw some of the, the portions that were actually from the documentary. I wonder if some of the bad stories were, were the Hollywood portion of, like, how they got there. But the actual idea about the the football league was actually the real part. And for those at home that, that don't know the inner workings of this, I'm, I'm going to pull the curtain back. I just sent Marcus and Mike a picture in the <laughs> Skype chat. Oh, no. And, and, this is the most egregious thing to me, okay? Sean Porter is a real person, and he started this real football team. I give him credit for that, you know, like Mike said, looking out for the kids, you know, when, when nobody else would. But to right. you, sir, and I'm going to put this picture up when this podcast comes out. I'm going to put it up on the post-wrestling forum. To have the audacity 
to have Dwayne the Rock Johnson play you, sir. When you're sitting <laughs> up here looking like uh looking like uh Kane. <laughs> like this man. <laughs> I well, now, 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 Nate, I I, I knew I, I in doing the research, I I knew he was a uh, Caucasoid gentleman. So I <laughs> I I but it just it makes the point that you're making and Marcus just made too about before we're even getting to the football version of the film, they do all this stuff that, you know, how much of that was really real? Is mm-hmm. that what really happened? Whereas what, like, remember the Titans, that wasn't the case. I mean, we, we had a little bit more realism and truth in a lot of those stories. Again, yeah. it's all based on a, on a real life situation and what does it spin, but you know, it, it makes you realize as, as Marcus is talking here, uh, there was a lot more Hollywood spin on Gridiron Gang if we're going to be real. Now, now we're going to get into talking about The Rock's, uh, you know, how he was in this movie, but how real this movie really was, which, um, again, and I'm not trying to let that detract away from my enjoyment of it because uh, I actually did enjoy it. I, I, I didn't, you know, from a pure, hey, I'm sitting down watching a movie. It's about football, inner city kids. I actually enjoyed it, rewatching it. So um, I, I don't have that complaint. But The Rock did portray a, a this man was white and, <laughs> and here's the funny part one of my notes rod's mom is black as hell why did they make her, why did they make his mom a black woman you could that is a good the question out. and and you know rod rod's movies it's always a, a fun game now what is his mom is his mom white is his mom black <laughs> it, it's a it's a trap shoot he could they could have went with the white mom to sort of fill in the backstory of the actual character. Yeah, I can't believe the first time I saw this movie, guys, and it might have been 06, might have been a few years after it, but when they do the bit at the end where they show, like, the real-life subjects of the film, and they're like, Coach Sean is still leading these Mustangs, and I was like, wait, that's who The Rock was supposed to be? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you could have got anybody to play this man, but you got Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Like, okay, I'm I'm not mad at your movie. Uh, Though, Nate, in fairness, it would have never made, I mean, I know it didn't make a lot of money, but I I bet you. Yeah, this would have lost money without The Rock. Yeah, man. If you, unless you ain't got like an A-list, you know, Caucasian actor to play this role. And I got a couple in my head, but I I don't even want to speculate. But I'm just thinking, unless you ain't got like a real, a a really, really good A-list Caucasian actor. Justin Timberlake. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't going. It wasn't. It wouldn't have made the money it made, even though it no. didn't even make that much. I mean, let's be real. People went because, oh, the you know, Dwayne the Rock Johnson is is the lead actor in it. That that's why people went. If we're being honest, yeah, you're right. And, and to his credit, and let's let's kind of use that as a springboard to get deeper into the movie because I will say, to me, the best part of the movie is the Rock. And his portrayal of uh, Coach Porter, and it starts, you know, when he gets the kids, and and he got has that great scene, you know, we're we're not gonna do things your way, doing it your way is what got you here. We're gonna do things my way. Uh, you ready to take the Mustang challenge? And you got these kids who I wish they spent a little more time on, because really, we only focus on Willie and uh, uh, Kelvin, uh, and everybody else is just kind of, you know, like. They pop up here and there. Like we get Junior's story for a second. Uh, well, let's let's talk about Junior for a second. <laughs> All right, go, go ahead, Marcus. Give Junior his due. Because Junior, my note was Samoa Joe. That's mm. who I saw, 
and right down to I would say the let's say, Nate, if you ran across Samoa Joe out in a, a social setting and you heard Samoa Joe using the N word, you would let it you would let it fly, right? I, yeah, I, th- I think I would let that slide. <laughs> I, exactly. So Junior uh, let it fly, and I was like, you know what? I'll allow it. It's cool. <laughs> I'll tell you what I wasn't ready for, though, in, in the game against uh, oh, yes. uh, Barrington Academy. That, and, yeah. and, and, and to Mike's point, like about, you know, how I remember the Titans where it's true, but you also have to have these dramatic effects for the movie. Like we got Barrington Academy, who's like this this uh, prep school. You know, they, 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 they come from the good side of town. They don't want to play these uh, criminals in their mind. And we get my man. uh who was who was the guy? Who was the linebacker back in the day? Romanowski. We get like Bill Romanowski Jr. out here, uh, who drops the N word with the hard R. And I had hard to R. I had to pause the movie, Mike, and I was I, like, I was like, I wasn't expecting that. I was not either. Yeah, that that one, I, I, I it just it gave me pause. I was like, did they really have to go there for drama purposes? Because like the main thing I thought, the you know, as you st- you sit there and evaluate it, and I'm like. Okay, so these kids are like, you know, supposed to be real life gangbangers and gangsters from the, I'm, I'm gonna use the, the movie terminology, the 88s and the 95s. <laughs> Man, some white boy who thinks he's tough stuff gonna drop the N word like that. It wouldn't have been no, I see you on the next play. Right. Come on, yeah. man. I mean, we gotta be real. They, they, that was not how it would have went down if that happened like that. So, and it it, it made me pause. I was like, man, that I don't know if I like that in this movie. I, I, yeah, because really like to your point, Mike, it fits with Remember the Titans because in that time period, the kids could say stuff like that and be protected by a system. But in this, it's just you and these dudes that are fresh out of jail. Like, and, and I don't think. There's any protection if Willie wanted to come across that field. I mean, even though he's fully suited up with a football helmet, shoulder pads, I, I, I mean, I'm just saying Willie got on cleats and, you know, <laughs> one little kick to the shin with some cleats to do some major damage. You ain't got no pad by that shin, boy. So I'm just saying, like, I just, I was like, Marcus, I, I was like, man, I, did they really have to go there? And look, I'm not saying – you on a football field. I'm not saying that didn't happen because mm-hmm. it could have happened. I mean, yeah. you know, you got some rich white kid who just wants to get under somebody's skin. Like, they, it, it's plausible. But I was like, I felt like even though it's plausible, the fact that it happened in the movie at that point, I was like, oh, they just trying to do just kind of drama stuff. And I yeah, the, like, movie, the movie didn't need it because that wasn't the story they were telling. Yeah. Right. And there was no I payoff for it. need that. No payoff at all, Marcus. Yep. Good point. That's the problem. Yeah, you're no right. Because at least I remember the Titans, like you had the scene at the end where uh, Bertia's girlfriend goes up to Joey. She's like, you know what? I'm still a little racist, but I'm going to try to be less racist because of you guys. <laughs> so you get growth. You didn't get growth here it, with, with the Barrington Academy. Yeah. And, and they t- like you said, Nate, they told that story completely different and remember the Titans because one, it was set in a different time period. Yeah. And two, that was pretty much the core of the movie. You know, you 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 learn through football, wait, this black dude ain't really that bad. I mean, he's just a person. And the and the black right. guy's like, Well, this white guy really ain't that bad. I mean, 
we really got a lot more in common than we have apart. That wasn't the story in this. It just was like, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this this white boy just like, <laughs> bam, and you like, what? <laughs> so I'm 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 with you and Marcus on that one. I was like, I, they ain't they ain't need to go there, man. Come on. Yeah. So this, then this movie does what all sports movie does. Like they start off and the Mustangs get demolished by the by Barrington Academy, like 30, 38 to zero. Uh, they lose the next game, and the kids are uh, upset because they don't know, you know. First of all, I got to say, Marcus, like, I li- I liked most of the kid actors in this movie, but the the way they were written, the way these characters were written, like they've never seen a football game before in their life. Well, you got to remember, well, like you had, say. was it Willie? Willie that uh, wanted to be the quarterback but never threw a pass until that one moment in the game, and I'm like – what are you doing, Coach Sean Porter? Like, that's something that should have been addressed in practice. Well, the actual Red Iron game was 1990. It was the early 90s, right? Yeah. So football was still in Los Angeles. I was going to make the argument, well, you got to remember, we didn't have football in L.A., so maybe you did have kids who just weren't exposed to football. But uh, the timing does not work there. So, yes, that was a little odd. Um, I would imagine... If this were a, a basketball-based movie, um, you could not run the same idea that you've never been exposed to basketball growing up in the hood. Uh, but football, I mean, you're not playing football in the streets. And, you know, if you're really that bad coming up, maybe you don't have access to TV. So maybe, I mean, I'm trying here. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a... <laughs> we, a got a we, we got a couple uh, oh, good... Marcus. No, yeah. give it to Marcus. These kids... They knew what football was. All right. They That's knew like, what, what was, what was the moment? Who was uh, uh my man on the squad? Uh, was Kenny the the white kid, the receiver? Yeah, I I, I called him Wes Walker, but go ahead. Yeah, Wes Walker out here. Uh, like, there's a point in the movie where the Rock's character is like, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna move you to wide right receiver, Kenny. And he's like, does that mean I get to catch the ball, coach? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Come on, you can, like, and I'm not even blaming the kids, Mike. It, it's just whoever wrote this should have gave them some better dialogue to make them seem a little bit more intelligent. Because, like, you know, writing stuff like that made them seem like, okay, not only are we incarcerated, but like we're we're not, we're a little slow on the uptake when it comes to this football thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, that that just I, see, like, not to be overly critical, but it's things like that in a movie like this that you go. What? Come on, man. Yeah, uh, that, that 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 part drove me. Do you mean? Does that mean I can catch catch a pass now? Oh, come on, bro. <laughs> and then you you've been out there practicing. You've been yeah. out there practicing at this point. This ain't like your first day with just a helmet and shorts and no pads, where you just were doing walkthroughs or learning. You've been out there actually practicing, and now you're talking about. So I'm a receiver. That means you catch a pass now. <laughs> that, that's oh, that, that just took away some of the realism although again i i still enjoyed the movie as, as and, I okay i don't want to nitpick, nitpick here but i feel like we're, we're already here guys marcus uh you know you are somebody that works for yahoo sports so you know how football teams work mike uh you know you are somebody you know you got kids to play football so you know how a football team is supposed to be set up right mm-hmm. you telling yeah. me you got 20 something kids and two coaches. And we never see Exhibit do anything except cheer. What was Exhibit's role in this movie? 
Just to stop Bible verses. Besides, keep the game baiter out. <laughs> so, okay, his role in this movie was purely a visual thing. The hairdo, he was the dude from the hood that was the assistant there that was a hard worker and it was just a visual thing. Because other than that, he didn't have any like lines or he didn't really, mm-hmm. I mean, he had lines, but he didn't really do anything. It was purely, we got to get this African-American assistant, assistant in here to, to help out coach. Well, what's crazy though is I looked, I looked into this, right? And Exhibit's playing Malcolm Moore who was a former NFL player from L.A., I guess, that went back and wanted to help with this, uh, with this program. And there's a, like, there's a good side story right there that you could tell about got- how this guy came from the community, made it to the NFL, and now he's coming back to help out these kids. And we never got that from Exhibit. Like, all we got, like you said, he was the black assistant coach for The Rock, and he spotted Bible verses. Yeah. I wish that we would have got at least some of that story about the assistant. Because he was the actual, the actual professional. He went to USC. Yep. He, he would have been, yeah, that, that, that was, that's a good point, Mike. That could have been a, a better, Because they, they don't a better role. Yeah, they don't really do. I mean, I mean, we know who he is. I mean, we know who Exhibit is, and we, we saw the role he played in the film. But, I mean, he, it really wasn't no, nothing big, and there was no story to him. Even though, like, like, I mean, we're talking here, the story is really about the kids and overcoming adversity and, and yeah. making, more, making something out of their lives. But even then, like Nate said already, you really only got two backstories. You didn't get much more than that. You, yeah. you, got, you got Willie and you got uh, Kelvin, and that was it. For the most part, I mean, and the the Samoan kid, but that I mean, it was only yeah, you a got uh, Junior with it with his uh with his kid, and then you got a uh, uh, uh Kenny with his mom, and then that's about it. Yeah, you didn't. I mean, there really wasn't much else like character development. And let's be, I mean, this wasn't. I don't want to say this is a long movie, but I mean, this movie was over two hours long, so it wasn't like they didn't have time. <laughs> yeah, and, and this movie life. was one hundred and twenty six minutes. It didn't, feel, it, didn't, it didn't feel like that long. I was going to say the real life Malcolm Moore had drug issues. So I think they could have told that story. Like, hey, guys, like, yeah. listen, kids, you don't want to be like me. I had a chance to play college football, a chance to play in the NFL. I messed up my life. I'm now working here. Go a different path. But for some reason, they just went with Exhibit, who at the time, 2006, I, I did it. He was not Exhibit of like, pimp my ride but he was still i guess quote unquote a name <laughs> like, hey rock let me pimp your movie bro yeah. that's all i think about when i think of exhibit <laughs> is pimp my ride what's I, exhibit I, doing now marcus what's he doing now what is he doing now that's a great question i'm not sure I, I haven't heard from exhibit in like he did a he did a voiceover for the boondocks like about four or five years ago and that's that's the last time i remember hearing from exhibit 2017, he was in something called Sundogs. I don't know what that is. He was on Empire for a couple years, three years. In Hawaii Five-0, three episodes. (laughs) I forgot they rebooted Hawaii Five-0. Besides that, he's not rapping, which, Mm. you know, probably good. So... (laughs) <laughs> okay, so <laughs> so let's, good. 
<laughs> Let's get to the, to the uh, high spot, to use the wrestling terminology, Mike, of the movie. So we, we get the Mustangs. They start to get some traction. They start to win some football games. And then we got a big game where uh, one of Willie's former gang uh, mates in the 88s stops by the field. And he is played by Ghost from uh, Power. That's right. Omari Hardwick. Uh, and uh, Free is the name of his character. And Free and Kelvin get into a fight. And Free shoots Kelvin. And he's about to shoot him again, and Willie tackles uh, tackles Free down, and so he basically he stopped his gangmate from killing a rival because of the team now. And so uh, then uh, Free like runs out in the traffic and like gets gunned down, like which again is kind of jarring well, in this movie. Free was shooting at the cops, which come on, come on, oh, yeah, like yeah. that's a suicide mission. The LAPD. I mean, that's, that's some Grand Theft Auto type stuff. Yes, that's five stars. Uh, yeah, that's five star. That's a six star. That's a <laughs> yeah. a move. You know, he like not only did he just shoot somebody and he's running off, but as he's running off and LAPD is pulling up, he starts firing. Uh, you, you've just got a suicide mission at that yep. point. On your hands. It's, I don't know. I had questions about that because I, I really wanted to know if, if someone if someone actually did shoot this guy and run off the field like i see here's the problem that i went back to with the beginning is how much of what we saw is real because mm-hmm. that's been in question i never really asked that question with a movie like remember the titans but i asked that consistently with this one yeah and and i think it's because it's a little too convenient you know because this scene leads to in my opinion mike one of the rock's best scenes in the movie and it's a great scene, but it, it kind of makes me feel like the only reason we had that scene with Free coming to the football field and shooting Kelvin is so we could get to this scene coming up with The Rock and Willie. I, I think that scene seemed very believable to me. And maybe that's just me being in L.A. for too long, but the idea of someone being shot at a high school football game, just not raise an eyebrow to me that that seems very believable sadly oh, oh marcus I, I let me let me let me say i agree too uh that was common in new orleans in the 90s yeah. as well um that doesn't shock me at all if it would be real i just was curious like my only question was because we had seen so many things that oh was well, this really authentic related to this movie um that that was the only reason why i questioned if it was real i, I certainly can see it happening in you know well, it could have been something that happened, but not happened to this specific team that they brought into the movie. Yeah, true. that might. Yeah, that's true. And um, it may happen. He went on a suicide mission after and just started firing at cops after he did that. Yeah. He just, you know, eventually gets caught and he's arrested. He doesn't actually, you know, start his open firing with his handgun at LAPD. Yeah, but that's not as dramatic. And we need the dramatics because the next scene we get is Willie and The Rock. And I'm not going to call this man Sean Porter because, again, look at the picture. That's not Sean Porter on the screen. Uh, We get Willie and The Rock, and basically Willie is frustrated. He's confused. You know, why did he help his former enemy in Kelvin and, you know, go against his uh, teammate in the gang? 
and and you know he's confused he's like you know what's happening with with this is you know this crazy football team stuff got me all confused and basically you get this nice little scene between willie and the rock why'd you side with the enemy over your own homeboy man because of you and this damn football team man you made a choice no i didn't i didn't even know what was happening to me it was just so everything so quick know what's happening to me, man. I do. You're not the loser you were when you first got here, Willie. You're just not used to being a winner. And uh, it ends with... uh... The Rock saying, uh, you know, my dad, well, Willie's talking about his dad. And then The Rock's like, yeah, my dad thought I was a, said I was a piece of crap and I was a loser and all this. Uh, and then Willie's like, so that's why you're so pissed off all the time? And The Rock is like, yeah, but you got to let that stuff go, Willie. And then Willie's like, when did you finally let go of all that anger with your old man, Rock? And Rock pauses. And this is, this is what you would tell Rock was acting this day, Mike. Rock came on the set to act <laughs> this day. Rock's like, you know what, Willie? Just now. And it's like, okay, Rock, I see you trying to act. <laughs> Man, I, thought, I thought that was his best scene of the movie, uh, in my opinion. And let me tell you, maybe I'm just a soft heart, but that that actually, I could see something like that as being real. Because mm. how many times have you, um, you know, I'm a parent, and as a parent, I can't tell you how many life lessons I feel like I try to teach these kids <laughs> as, as they grow up. And I say things sometimes through my own life experiences to try to make that make them understand and and hopefully like connect. Mm-hmm. And and I've I I know I've delivered messages before where I'm like, you know, you'll know something at at a certain point in time because it feels right. And I mean, just trying to like guide them through like difficult situations. And I and I I feel like. There's been times when I've had to hold that discussion with them on just anything. And then I and, and I don't say this to them like Rock did in the movie, but I'll go, man, I actually need to pay more attention to that in my personal. <laughs> um, like for me, like as a learning tool. And I feel like that's what Rock was delivering right there when he said that he was like, man, I just got over it. And, yeah, yeah. And, and that's kind of real because, you know, he he went fatherless. And here he is trying to teach a lesson, but at the end of the day, he's also learning a lesson at the same time. He's he's giving this lesson to this kid who who needs all the help he can get. Let's let's be real. So I, I don't know, Marcus, what did you think about that? During this emotional scene, I was sitting there trying to figure out who does Willie look like to me? <laughs> That's and, what you're thinking about. Well, first off, I, I I realized number one, that was Jesus Shuttlesworth. As a young child, mm. that was he played that role in he yeah, got uh, Dade Yorker. Yes, but then it it my wrote my notes was uh, fake Wallace is so angry and he looks like Wallace from The Wire, <laughs> and I was trying to like connect the dots of like I could very much see Wallace from The Wire sort of being in this role of of not having the father figure. Um, I think to to Mike's point, this was the sort of the crescendo of, of the Rock's acting. Um, it didn't really do anything for me. 
uh, I don't know. Again, Man, look, look, it full like, disclosure it for, like for those talk. those in the post uh, the post wrestling universe that don't know, you know, Mike is a father. I'm not a father that I know of. Uh, knock on wood. Uh, Marcus, <laughs> Marcus is is expecting though. So uh, Marcus, maybe in a year from now, you know, when when you got little little Marcus Jr. on your lap and you're watching Gridiron Gang as your annual ritual, maybe this scene will hit you a little bit more. Maybe, because it did not really hit me in the feels. It, it was more like, all right, well, who is this guy? It, it, it's this body man. Marcus, I, I really think, like Nate, actually, the point he makes, I, he, I think he's on to something. Because, I mean, there was a time in my life when it was just me. And you, you look at the world a whole lot different. And then you start becoming a role model, even though you don't look at yourself that way. You don't go, I'm going to be a role model. Maybe you do, but... You become this. You actually, you do look at yourself and say, "I need to be a role model." But it's not in this. I don't even know how I'm trying to explain. It. It's not in this way that you're like, you know, I'm puffing my chest. Oh, I'm gonna be a role model. Mm. It's just I gotta be a role model. I have to fill, fill this role. And, and you do. Whenever from that point forward, especially as your kids get older, and you're trying to like help them out with life lessons and teach them life skills, there are times when you reflect and go, "Damn, I remember." my mama used to tell me this or my uncle would tell me this and I just kind of blew it off or was like yeah yeah okay because we've all done that and mm-hmm. then you say this, you say it and you say it so much and it used to be where it was like yeah you know I'll never say my parent what my parents say when they were like one day you're going to learn you're going to understand watch one day you're going to have kids and then it really does happen to you and before you know it you're you're delivering these lessons and then, and then as you're delivering them you're reflecting and going, man, I really need to actually follow that advice sometimes for myself to make sure, you know, I'm doing X, Y, and Z right. And to make sure I have the patience that I'm telling these children I have. And so all this stuff. And that's what it made me think of when he was delivering that speech to his player at that point in time, especially when he was like, I just got over it. Cause that that's real, man. I mean, you're trying to teach a young kid a lesson who, who's fatherless. You yourself are fatherless. So you deliver that message and it's like, wait, I'm, I am this kid. This kid is me. And I really need to admit right now, just so he realizes it. I, I forgive, I forgive. I'm, I'm finally over it. Maybe it helps it sink home to this kid a little bit more. If, if I'm, and it's not that the rock was faking it. He really did. He really did say mean it. He was like, I, I just got over it, man. You know, and it took a long time. So I think there's something to that. You know, he's telling this 18 year old, 19 year old kid that yeah, I really like that scene. You know, uh, you know, un- unlike Marcus, I I have a beating heart. You know, I'm not. <laughs> you know, Mark Marcus uh, Stone Cold Vandenberg over here. Uh, but yeah, I dug the scene because I I think it's the one time in the movie, or one of the few times in the movie where Rock is not playing generic football coach. You know, he's just out here spouting stuff that you know you would hear at practice any day of the week. Like it felt like he was really connecting with the kids. So I I enjoyed that scene. And then that leads us to the the next scene where they want to shut down the football program because of the gang violence. And Exhibit gets his big scene where he recites a Bible verse to the priest who is, I guess, in charge of uh, Barrington Academy. And uh, the priest is like, okay, we'll we'll, we'll play the playoff game. And the Mustangs uh, are down 14-0 at halftime. And since this is a movie, Mike, you know somebody's going to give a halftime speech, and Willie gets up 
and gives the, the rousing motivational speech, the the the, the Freddie Blassie locker room speech that we saw before invasion and uh, gets the, the Mustangs motivated and they go out and they beat Barrington. Yeah, I got my doubts on if that's how it really went down. <laughs> oh, Marcus, uh, I just, I mean, you know, Marcus, first off, Marcus, the, we got job on that NFC championship while we're talking about football. I just oh, need to put- here we go. I was waiting for this. I was waiting anyway, for the, I just, the Saints fan to come out and be petty. Go ahead. It just hit me, but you know the bookers—they did a good job of booking that, and <laughs> they really did to get LA into that Super Bowl. So it was fixed. I mean, but that's neither here nor there. As I'm talking about football, though, we all know—I mean, they in the playoffs. Do we really think? And I'm curious, anybody out there who knows, you know, uh, Sean Porter? Do we really think that Sean Porter did not deliver a heck of a halftime speech and he left it up to the players to do it? I- I'm serious question, Marcus. Serious. I had questions about another scene. Um, that last play, Nate, they drive down the field, just time for one play. Yeah. It's 11 seconds left. First of all, the Rock, just two-minute offense, not very good. <laughs> Number two, that play before, he was knocked out of bounds. The clock should have stopped. In all football rules, that, that is a dead clock. Why was the clock running? Did he not have timeouts left? Like these are these are the things that I was thinking about as a football fan, and and maybe this is where if you if you're doing football, and this is my bigger issue I think with sports films in general, is I I find them not to be believable, and it's mm. because the details matter, especially when you're talking to like a a hardcore sports fan. Those are the things you you pick up on that would make sense for maybe a, a segment of the audience, but. For the for the general movie audience, it would never pick up on it. So I think you got to go um, either one of two ways, Marcus. I think you either have to be like super realistic, uh, or you know, like maybe like a, a Friday Night Lights, or mm-hmm. you have to go like over the top, like Remember the Titans. You know, we're gonna run a uh, what is it, twenty three wide banana with a with a backside George reverse, like your life depended on it. No one that plays not gonna work. Like you either have to stay so grounded or go so over the top. And this kind of falls somewhere in the middle where they like try to play realistic. But there are certain things in this in this movie, such as having a quarterback that didn't throw his first pass until the actual damn game, that that just kind of stretches my believability. Yes, and well, and on top of that, then they had a Joe. Yeah, how Joe just pops yeah. up on the field. Yes, yeah. Was he on the official roster? Like how exactly. how was this legal? Exactly. Marcus, no, no, no. You you missing it though? You, I mean, you nailed it. But right before. He goes out before they complete that long pass to um, uh, Wes Walker. Wes Walker, uh, yeah. His I can't remember his name, so I'm not trying to be disrespectful. He, he lined up in the in the Kenny in the, Bates. He in the slot. I was like, whoa, Wes Walker's lined up on the outside. Let's go. Yeah. So <laughs> so literally the play is he gonna run a fly route. We gonna throw it to him. But yeah. before, right before that play, your boy. Hey, well, well, well. First of all, you know why he was able to get make that catch, Mike, and Marcus knows uh, the oh, reason I know. full well. Because he had deceptive speed. Mm-hmm. Of course. And grit. Of course. Go ahead. And grit. He's got a high motor. <laughs> He's got a high motor. <laughs> but, 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 Nate, uh, God, I keep forgetting your boy's name. Uh, the, 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 the Samoan cat. What was his name? Uh, Junior. Junior. Right before that play is called, I'm sorry, as the play is being called, Junior, <laughs> and The Rock is conveying this play, Junior's like, come here, fellas. And he takes two of his friends with him. <laughs> 
in the matter of let's be let's give it 30 seconds even though that play did not take that long to run to, to snap and run in a matter of 20 to 30 seconds junior is now fully freaking padded yeah. in ball gear for the next play that they run what in the flying fist is that? I mean, so like what Marcus is saying, it's just it, like that part is completely unrealistic if you if you put it in football context. And the the one thing about Nate and I, although we disagree on the teams that we root for, and Nate's wrong, and he'll never be right. <laughs> Twenty eight to three, Nate. Hey, hey, Marcus is on my side now. Marcus is a a, a full blown uh, Atlanta transplant now. Uh, uh not the not the Falcons. Oh, no. you, you cut it off with the Braves and the Hawks? Yes. <laughs> so my point being, us three know football very, very well. We've watched it. Uh, I know Nate has. I'm assuming, Marcus, you too, our entire lives. So when we see stuff like that in a football movie, you're like, <laughs> come on now. Do we really need to do that? Yeah. So, you know, and, and, I, I'm, and as good as I think, the Rock was 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 good in this movie as far as his acting goes. I mean, he wasn't Bay, wasn't the greatest, but it, it ain't gonna win a a great performance. But I mean, that's the type of stuff that when you see it, it's like, oh man, we do they really need to do that in this movie? I mean, that that just wasn't really real. I mean, but then again, you know, twenty eight to three, I didn't think that could be real either, but it did happen. So maybe I so. Mean, that, that you talk about the the bookers like that that was a hell of a that, that's Triple H booking right there. That's a swear, oh, yeah. bro. With your man Tom Brady. They hot shotted the territory with that Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, I was about to fill up my bathtub and throw a, a toaster in it plugged into the wall when they was up 28 to 3. And good old Uncle Roger Goodell came through and he booked the territory and uh you know he put the Patriots over for me. Uh well, I'd have never heard the end of it from Falcon. <laughs> uh, I would have still been talking about it. Well, well, yeah, yeah, just like I'm talking about 28 to 3. You see, anytime one of them Falcon fans come at me on Twitter, he just just respond 28 to 3. I mean, hey, there's nothing else to say. And that, what they going to tell you? You know, they're like, what? Anyway, <laughs> uh, hopefully I'm not making all our Atlanta Falcon friends. I'm uh, trying to tell people, like, people don't understand. Like, everybody wants to talk about, you know, the, the, the NFC North or the NFC East. NFC South is where it's at because everybody, except for the Bucks, because the Bucks are just terrible. Everybody's a, a reasonable amount of good, and there's a reasonable amount of animosity between the Panthers, the Saints, and the Falcons. Oh, it's pure hate, man. It's just like except for the Bucks, because nobody cares. Nobody gives a damn about the Bucks. Yeah, like we don't really care about the Bucks because they've been so bad. But like, like okay, for for example, as a Saints fan, man, we can't stand Cam Newton, and we hate Matt Ryan, which goes to show you it's not racial. It's just we don't <laughs> like those. People, you know? <laughs> It's like the hell with either one of them. Like we hate the white quarterback and the black quarterback. It's 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 just strictly you don't have black and gold on. And it's the same way for you as much as you like to say, nah, you respect Cam. Deep down, you hate that dude because because he's a because he's a Panther. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I like I, I love Cam's game. I love it. I love the swagger. But anytime I see the standings, I want them to be at least two games behind us. <laughs> Every every time, every time. But 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 you know, and, and with your boy Breeze, like 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 Breeze, I respect Drew Breeze. But you know, every time I see him, I'm like, I'm hoping that this this is the year when when that age start to catch up with him. But he out there using these doctors like Tom Brady. I, I don't want to start no rumors. <laughs> it's it's coming, Nate. He he. he, he. <laughs> 
the end is near, man. I I, I can see it, man. He's. I, I'm waiting for the. Uh, who, who's your backup? Uh, is it is it your boy? Uh, from Minnesota. Taysom Hill. No, no, no. Taysom. Well, Taysom Hill is technically the, the the number three. No, we got uh God, his name's slipping my mind. This is terrible. He played in Minnesota. He played, played at Lewis. in Minnesota. Uh, got oh, hurt. Bridgewater. Yeah, I'm I'm waiting for the Teddy Bridgewater era, not because I want Teddy Bridgewater to get a starting job, which which would be nice, but because the drop off between Breeze and Bridgewater, and I'm not taking shots at Teddy, but it'll be easier to beat the Saints with Teddy than it will be with Drew Breeze. I mean, Breeze is a Hall of Famer. He's a future yeah. Hall of Famer. It, there's nobody you can replace him with that Saints fans are gonna be happy with. I'm serious. You you can, I I really hope Saints fans are ready for after the post Breeze era. I just. I, I don't think they realize what some of them are just dumb and don't realize what they have. I'm talking about my fellow fans. Is that terrible or not? But yeah, they, they, they need to get on with the. That's all right. Cause next year y'all have Eli Manning. So you can welcome your native son home. Good Lord. No. <laughs> <laughs> After or, the giants or, run him out of town. I tell you who's overrated that quarterback Marcus has. Mm. We're talking about gridiron. We're talking about Willie. What happened here? <laughs> <laughs> We think it's sidetracked. We think it's sidetracked. That's because Nate and I haven't talked. And the bottom line is I'm not going to talk to Nate. And then next month once football season starts, because uh, yeah, we, we don't – we don't. Uh, you know what I'm we saying? Don't... We got, yeah, yeah. With Nate, with next, next time Mike and I will talk, probably be around the Pro Bowl maybe, depending, yeah, on, how, depending on how the season goes. Get with me in March. Don't don't ask me to do nothing until March. We gotta wait till the season plays out. But uh, but talking about talking about this movie, yeah, that that was Mar- Marcus. If we get back to it, that was very much. They weren't even close to being realistic with anything that happened at the end of that game. Anything. Yeah. However, I what was sort of jarring was that you have this great scene. They win the game. And then you get the rod doing the, the narration. Yes. By the way, oh yeah, they lost in the finals. Like, Yo, what? the way he came over the top with it because they're celebrating like Marcus is saying, and all of a sudden the Rock's like, the Mustangs won the won the game that day, but then we went on to lose the championship seventeen to four. But nobody <laughs> called us losers. Like okay, okay, Rock. Yeah. <laughs> and then after that we get. We get yep. the 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 post the the wrap up, which is basically showing where all the kids went to, and out of all the kids on the Gridiron Gang, only five of them ended up going back to the correctional facility. So they uh, beat the seventy five percent recidivism rate. I looked it up uh, in the okay. interim on go. this podcast. Uh, they beat the seventy five percent rate uh, by by a lot, and they decided to keep the Mustang football program open at Kilpatrick and the last scene we get is the new batch of recruits coming onto the field with rock and exhibit the new batch who could not spell Mustangs either (laughs) yes which is like come on man like I know these kids come from troubled homes but somebody in the group got to know how to spell Mustang yeah yeah I feel like even yeah, somebody knew how to spell it. I, that 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 that's just stretching the truth right there when they when they do that. What what did you think about the ending? Because obviously it was based on a true story, and there is a documentary uh, uh, called Gridiron Gang as well, which is the story of the you know the, the real kids and and coaches involved in the movie. But what did you make of kind of you know the, them going through each player and showing this is what happened with Willie, this is what happened with Kenny Bates, this is what happened. With Junior, uh, Bug, the little kid that was the water boy throughout the movie, ends up getting killed in a drive-by. Uh, 
a bunch of kids, like I said, those five kids got sent back to the correctional facility. How did you how did you feel like that as they wrap up to these to these kids? Because I get what, what they were doing, Mike, and I hate to go back to remember the Titans, but Remember the Titans, you cared about what happened with Petey and you cared about what happened with Sunshine and with Bertier and with Julius and with Rev and all those characters because they made you like those kids a lot. You spent time with those kids. And with Gridiron Gang, you really only spent time with Willie, Kelvin, a little bit with Junior and a little bit with Kenny. So the rest of the kids like, yeah, it's sad. It's tragic that Bug is killed in a drive-by, but it doesn't really resonate because we didn't really spend a lot of time with Bug. Yeah, actually, the irony is I felt like I liked getting the update at the end, and I thought that it was one of the most realistic things in the movie. Like, yeah, uh, that yeah. was he actually died. Yeah, right. He actually died, and then they talk about you know only five of them end up going back to the jail, and I mean like it literally was the one. I don't want to say one truthful thing because that's not a fair assessment, but it was one of the. Uh, you know, true factual things uh, of only a few that I think we got throughout the whole movie in, in, in a realistic fashion. And I know, like, you know, there are other things, like they lost their first two games and then they went on a winning streak. I believe that was also true. Um, you know, they lost their last game. That was also true. But the fact that they did give an update, it wasn't always, it wasn't, and, and the thing about the update that actually made it most impactful in a way too is you do find out that there are a handful of kids who actually go back and get in trouble. There were a couple who went back to their old gangs and then, you know, bug, like they said, he died in a drive-by shooting. So, you know, it wasn't all, you know, peaches and cream and a rosy ending for, for a lot of these kids. It was, it was, um, you know, it, it was what you actually would probably expect if this were to, you know, not, not that if it was true, but it was, it was realistic because not everybody came out of it you know, a better person. Some went back to, uh, you know, the bad lives that they had, I don't say bad, but the unfortunate lives that they were living. And, uh, and in terms of like the, the, the truthfulness of this movie, there's a great site. If the listeners want to check out called, uh, chasing the frog.com. And it, it kind of fact checks these type of movies. And while a good part of the movie is true, like there's some things that are made up for, uh, dramatic purposes. Like Willie Weathers was not a real person. Like he was kind of an amalgam of a couple people and ba- and uh, mainly a young man by the name of Michael Black, who did end up going to play high school and college ball and uh, spent some time in NFL training camps. Uh, hmm. So, yeah, he was with the uh, Cowboys and the uh, Seattle Seahawks uh, for a while. So it's not all the way true. And I don't think any movie that's not a documentary can be all the way true. Uh, but I thought they did a good job and that's going to lead us to our rating system fellas and we're going to you know rate this movie and and see where we stand with the gridiron gang and so for this show we have a patented five point rating system if a movie is perfect if it's one of the best things we've ever seen and the rock is great in it it's a five out of five it's a great one if a movie is really strong it's really good but there's one or two nitpicks to keep it from being really outstanding it's a four out of five that's the people's champ. If a movie is solid, nothing offensive about it, it, it does what it's supposed to do, that's a three out of five. That's a know your role. If a movie's bad, but not completely terrible, you know, if there's some redeeming qualities, that's a two out of five. That's a jabroni joint. And if a movie is absolutely terrible, if a movie is doomed, Mike Mills, that's a one out of five. That's a rock bottom. So 
Let's start with you, Mike. On a scale of one to five, what do you give Gridiron Game? Nate, what was the three again? The three rating? Three out of five is a know your role. Bit dramatic pause there. I was I was wondering like, where are we going? Uh, my elbow hit the mute button. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, Mike just wanted to pause like the rock. Like you know what? Right now, Willie. Right now. This very moment is when I when I forgave my daddy. <laughs> uh, I mean, I feel it would be unfair to rate it higher than a three out of five. Mm. So. I'm going to have to say three out of five. But that's not me saying I didn't enjoy it. I actually liked watching the movie. And again, I hadn't seen it in a real long time. So long that I didn't remember. Um, so that when I started watching, I was like, all right, I saw this before. I would I would, I would, would have to say three out of five. I don't know. What, what do you think, Marcus? Uh, you know that. I think it's 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 three out of five. And I think it, it could have been a four. I think there are some adjustments they could have made to the film that could have made it a stronger movie. But for what it was, I think it was a, it was a three out of five. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's a consensus for me because I think this is a movie that is hurt because of the script and also because there are other movies like we talked about. Remember the Titans, Boys in the Hood, Minister Society, uh, even something maybe like a Coach Carter that I think does the same things this movie wants to do but does it better. And so, like like Mike was saying, though, like it's not a bad movie. I think The Rock gives a solid performance, and in that one scene with Willie, He's really great. There's a subplot with his mother that doesn't go really anywhere. Uh, and, you know, like, we really don't get to know about Sean Porter, the person. Uh, I wish Exhibit had more to do in this movie. Uh, and I wish we got to know more of the kids, because like I said, other than those kind of three or four main kids, we don't really connect with the rest of the team like we did in Remember the Titans. Uh, so it's a good movie. It's something if it comes on on a rainy Saturday, you know, yeah, you can pop it in, have a good, you know, two hours. Uh, but it's not something I would say you have to run out and go see this weekend. Hey, I would, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah, this was not Boys in the Hood. <laughs> no, it was not. Uh, so that is what we give the this movie, uh, three out of five. All of us give it a uh, know your role. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have uh, time to put up a poll on the Post Wrestling Forum. Uh, this month for the show. Uh, that's my fault. Uh, you know, uh, I was trying to do things my way and doing things my way is what got me here. Uh, but that's all right, because we'll be back next month with a brand new movie. But before we get out of here, I want to, uh, again, give props to Marcus and Mike. And so, uh, fellas, this is the time where, where the stage is yours. Mike Mills, for the people out there that, that want to hear more from you and, and, and get more of your thoughts on the world of professional wrestling or, or maybe your thoughts on the world of football if they didn't get enough on this show, uh, where, where can they find you and where can they listen to Booking the Territory? Uh, you can, oh, I'm on Twitter at Mike504Saints. And then um, for Booking the Territory, just search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from or go to tinyurl.com slash bttpod. I will warn you, if you love classic wrestling, because that's what we cover. We don't really talk current wrestling. We talk talk classic wrestling. If you love classic wrestling, uh, come check us out. And um, you've been warned. It is the unprofessional wrestling podcast for a reason. The language is ridiculous. It's strong. <laughs> um, it's not politically correct. 
Uh, we are a politics-free zone, though, I will tell you that. Uh, but we still have a lot of fun just talking old-school wrestling and some of the ridiculous promos that you would hear, mm. such as when New Jack made his Smoky Mountain Wrestling debut, yes. and he thanked OJ for killing two women or for killing two people and saying, that's two less we got to worry about. Like, we discussed those things <laughs> in an old-school wrestling format because it was so utterly crazy. Some of the stuff that New Jack would say, for instance, in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And that was just one of the promos that he cut that was just vicious. So, yes. anyway, come check us out. Book in the territory wherever you get your podcast from, and uh, um, like I said, it's unprofessional, but uh, we have a good time. Like, speaking of Smoky Mountain, Book in the Territory is endorsed by one James E. Cornette, I believe. Oh yeah, so I have actually uh, been lucky enough to be on Cornette's show two different times, and he endorses us. He uh, he loves what we do. He loves the uh, craziness. He <laughs> loves. I mean, Corny is a. You know, he's a wrestling historian, so, like, we're right up his alley. So he's been on with us ooh, three times now, and I've actually had a chance to be on his show, The Jim Cornette Experience, twice. So, uh, you know, Corny doesn't mince words, man. He's crazy, but uh, he loves us, so uh, we love him. You know you know the drill. So he's, he he treats us well, I will say that. He always retweets our shows, and uh, he is really good to book in the territory. So, yes, uh, thank you for reminding me of that, Nate. I appreciate it. You know, any any time, brother. You know, for full disclosure, you know, Mike reached out to me many years ago when when he was just starting booking the territories, and 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 we struck up a conversation, and the friendship grew from that. And, and so, yeah, I'm anytime I, I can get to uh to to spotlight people that I like and people that do good work, uh, I I love to do that. Appreciate Speak, it, Nate. Speaking of people that I like and people that do good work, even if they they do have cold hearts, Marcus Vandenberg. Uh, where can the people find your uh, insightful work on Yahoo Sports and uh, tell them a little bit about that uh, that little side project you got called the Kings of Sport? Before that, speaking of New Jack, a uh, friend of everyone's show, TJ McLoon, texted me mm. earlier today. New Jack has a book coming out in the fall. Yes. So, I heard about this last week. Yeah. I think we might have, you... have, have a, a little cross promotion, have a, have a book club. Let's just read New Jack's book. <laughs> Yeah, so if if you want to book New Jack on your podcast, oh my reach goodness. out to TJ. Um, you can find me on social media at Marco Will, M-A-R-C-O-W-I-L-L. And you can also find myself and Nate Milton on the Kings of Sport podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. And uh, we're at, what, every two weeks now? Yeah, we about every two that. weeks, sometimes shorter than that, sometimes longer than that, but... Uh... You know, we we we're here for you when we need when you when you need us. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that's the Kings of Sport. Marks and I've been doing that since what 2013. 2013. So yeah, we we we're, we're getting we're getting uh, a little long in the tooth, but it's still fun. So you can check that out as as well as the uh, Patreon, which has not only a video version of our podcast, but also uh, the 2022, which is a political show featuring Chris from LA, who's a political science professor. We've got. Um, MCU reviews, uh, one for Spider-Man Far From Home should be up by the time you're listening to this, folks. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff at the Patreon. There's a lot of stuff on the regular show. Uh, you can check out Marcus there as well as the good work he does for Yahoo Sports. I also want to give a shout-out to Austin James for the graphic design for the Rocky Mavia Picture Show and to Braden Harrington uh, for the theme song for the Rocky Mavia Picture Show. And finally, in honor of the Mustang Challenge, I want to issue a challenge to all the listeners out there. The Milton Money Challenge. 
Since I'm a licensed insurance agent, I can help you with your life, home, auto insurance, annuities, investments, and more. So if any of those things concern you, hit me up. And if I can't help you, someone on my team can hop on the line and help you get your financial game plan in order. But speaking of game plan, fellas, that is what's playing next time on the Rocky Mavia Picture Show 2007's The Game Plan. World-class athlete Joe Kingman had it all. Adoring fans, cool cars, and the kind of life anyone would envy. Until the day fate came to his door. My name is Peyton. I'm your daughter. Mm -hmm. Papa's got a brand new bag. Hello. I never had a kid. My birth certificate. Your name is on it. My name's not on this thing. Joseph King. From Walt Disney Pictures, he will demand discipline. You need chocolate. We don't do simple sugars in this house. Kids love sugar. Well, my dad never let me have sugar. Oh, is that why you never smile? But he never had to tackle a challenge this big. I am not qualified for this. Moms, go over there. Now, it all comes down to this. Three seconds left. Welcome to the magical world of ponies. What happened? Get back, get back. What have we done to deserve this? He's going to need a little bit of bubble bath. Peyton? A whole new game plan. <laughs> what I do. The last guy anyone expected. You've been playing kid your entire life, and I just joined the dad team. Might just be the right man for the job. <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Want a cookie? What did you put in the cookie? Milk, flour, cinnamon. I'm allergic to cinnamon. Three, two, one, go. Boston Rebels experience the heat. Boston Rebels. Catch the magic! The game plan. <laughs> Spike! <laughs> so there you heard it right there, a preview for next month's episode of the Rocky Mavia Picture Show. Have either of you two seen the game plan? It's been I a while. Don't think I have. That was The Rock's other football movie, Marcus, where he, instead of uh, playing a football coach like he did in this movie, uh, including that one scene where he put on the the uh, 94 jersey as a shout-out to his Miami days. He plays basically the Tom Brady of this Disney universe, and he's like this ridiculous quarterback uh, that gets a little girl dumped on him who he finds out is his daughter. Not to spoil your gimmick for the Nets episode, but I am shocked how much money this movie made. Oh, the game plan? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, Disney, The Rock. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you can put Disney on anything and they'll make money. You should, you uh, should know that. You I, are I a Disney uh, aficionado, Marcus. I know, I know. But yeah, so next time out, we'll be checking out Disney's The Game Plan starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson and a bunch of other people. And we'll see how that football movie stacks up to this football movie. Uh, but that is going to do it for now. The theater is closed. I want to thank each and every one of you Postmarks out there for listening to the show. want to give a shout-out to John Pollock and Wei Ting at Post Wrestling and, again, to Marcus Vandenberg of Yahoo Sports and Mike Mills from Booking the Territory for stopping in this week. So, for Mike, for Marcus, for the Mustangs, I am the Godfather Nate Milton. You've been listening to the Rocky Mile Via Picture Show. We'll see you next time, and remember... 
Nubian eyes will be watching you. where black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.